This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of meniscus from the knee and sports section on orthobullets.com. In this episode, we'll go over the function, composition, anatomy, as well as injury and healing potential of the meniscus. Starting with function, the meniscus has two main functions, force transmission and stability. Starting with force transmission, the meniscus functions to optimize force transmission across the knee, and it does this by increasing congruency. Specifically, it increases the contact area that leads to decreased point loading. The meniscus also optimizes force transmission by shock absorption. The meniscus is more elastic than articular cartilage and therefore absorbs shock. Finally, keep in mind that the meniscus transmits 50% weight-bearing load in extension and 85% in flexion. As far as the function of stability, the meniscus deepens the tibial surface and acts as a secondary stabilizer. So with respect to the medial meniscus, the posterior horn of the medial meniscus is the main secondary stabilizer to anterior translation. With respect to the lateral meniscus, this is less stabilizing and has two times the excursion of the medial meniscus. Finally, remember that the menisci become primary stabilizers in the ACL-deficient knee. Moving on to composition, the meniscus is made of fibroelastic cartilage. The meniscus is an interlacing network of collagen, proteoglycan, glycoproteins, and cellular elements, and is composed of 65-75% to water. As far as collagen, 90% of the meniscus is made up of type 1 collagen. In terms of fibers, the meniscus is composed of two types of fibers which allow the meniscus to expand under compressive forces and increase contact area of the joint. These include radial fibers as well as longitudinal or circumferential fibers. The longitudinal or circumferential fibers help dissipate hoop stresses. Keep in mind that vertical mattress sutures capture longitudinal meniscus tears. Now let's talk about some relevant anatomy. Specifically, we'll go over the gross shape of the meniscus, the attachment of the meniscus, the blood supply to the meniscus, and the innervation of the meniscus. So starting with the gross shape, the medial meniscus is C-shaped with a triangular cross-section. The average width is 9 to 10 millimeters, and the average thickness is 3 to 5 millimeters. The lateral meniscus is more circular. The horns are closer together and approximate the ACL. The lateral meniscus covers a larger portion of the articular surface. The average width is 10 to 12 millimeters, and the average thickness is 4 to 5 millimeters. The attachment of the meniscus involves the transverse or intermeniscal ligament, which connects the medial and lateral meniscus anteriorly, the coronary ligaments, which connects the meniscus peripherally, and keep in mind that the medial meniscus has less mobility with more rigid peripheral fixation than the lateral meniscus. Finally, the meniscofemoral ligament connects the meniscus into the substance of the PCL. This originates from the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus and has two components, the Humphrey ligament, which is anterior, and the ligament of Risberg, which is posterior. Remember that H comes before W in the alphabet, therefore remember that Humphrey is anterior and Risberg is posterior. As far as the blood supply to the meniscus, the middle genicular artery supplies the posterior horns. The medial inferior genicular artery supplies the peripheral 20-30% to 30% of the medial meniscus. And finally, the lateral inferior genicular artery supplies the peripheral 10-25% to 25% of the lateral meniscus, and the central 75% receives nutrition through diffusion. In terms of innervation of the meniscus, the peripheral two-thirds is innervated by type 1 and type 2 nerve endings. The posterior horns have the highest concentration of mechanoreceptors. Now, let's end this review session talking about injury and healing potential of the meniscus. So tears in the peripheral 25% zone can heal via fibrocartilage scar formation. 
Remember that the fibrochondrocyte is the cell responsible for healing. Peripheral tears of less than 4 millimeters have the best healing potential. Tears of the central 75% of the meniscus have limited or no intrinsic healing ability. To learn more about meniscal injury, be sure to look out for the podcast episode about meniscal injury, or of course, you can go over the topic on orthobullets.com or the Bullets app. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 35-year-old patient undergoes a right knee arthroscopy. An arthroscopic picture of the right knee shows a horizontal cleavage tear of the lateral meniscus. The torn structure is predominantly composed of the same type of collagen as which of the following structure or structures. And the choices are one, anterior cruciate ligament, two, articular cartilage, three, annulus fibrosis of the intervertebral disc, four, both the anterior cruciate ligament and articular cartilage, and five, both the anterior cruciate ligament and the annulus fibrosis of the intervertebral disc. The correct answer to this question is five, the anterior cruciate ligament, as well as the annulus fibrosis of the intervertebral disc. So the meniscus, anterior cruciate ligament, and annulus fibrosis of the intervertebral disc are all predominantly composed of type 1 collagen. Articular cartilage primarily consists of type 2 collagen. To quickly review, the knee menisci are crescent-shaped wedges of fibrocartilage composed mainly of type 1 collagen. Once thought to be a functionless embryonic remnant, the menisci are now known to be crucial to knee function and long-term joint health. The menisci increase knee stability, distribute axial load, absorb shock, and provide lubrication as well as nutrition to the knee joint. The peripheral third of the menisci is well vascularized by geniculate branches, while the inner two-thirds receive nourishment from synovial fluid, which has important implications for tear healing. Fox et al. reviewed the structure, composition, and function of the human knee menisci. The meniscus is a dense matrix composed primarily of water, specifically 72%, and collagen, making up 22% of the meniscus, interposed with cells. Collagens are responsible for the tensile strength of the meniscus and are predominantly type 1 collagen, specifically 90% type 1 collagen, with variable amounts of type 2, 3, 5, and 6 collagen. The collagen fiber arrangement, running parallel to the peripheral border of the meniscus, enables transfer of a vertical compressive load to circumferential hoop stresses, distributing the load and decreasing contact stresses in the femorotibial articulation. An et al. retrospectively reviewed 32 patients with horizontal cleavage meniscus tears that underwent arthroscopic repair with a marrow stimulation technique to potentially augment healing. Horizontal cleavage meniscus tears often undergo meniscectomy rather than attempted repair due to the involvement of the inner avascular meniscus and tissue degeneration that is often seen with this tear pattern. In this study, arthroscopic repair using all inside vertical mattress sutures with drilling of the intercondylar notch to express marrow elements was associated with good functional outcomes and 91% healing rate on second-look arthroscopy. Moving on to the next question. The posterior horn of the medial meniscus receives its primary blood supply from, and the choices are 1, middle genicular, 2, medial inferior genicular, 3, medial superior genicular, 4, lateral superior genicular, and 5, inferior lateral genicular. The correct answer to this question is 1, middle genicular. So the middle genicular artery supplies the posterior capsule and intracapsular structures. That includes the anterior cruciate ligament, 
posterior cruciate ligament, and posterior horns of the meniscus. The medial and lateral inferior geniculates anastomose anteriorly to form a capillary network to supply the fat pad, synovial cavity, and patellar tendon. The lateral superior and inferior genicular arteries supply the lateral retinaculum. And moving on to the final question, which of the following is true of the medial meniscus when compared to the lateral meniscus? And the choices are one, more anterior translation with extension and less posterior movement with flexion. Two, less anterior translation with extension and less posterior movement with flexion. Three, more posterior translation with extension. Four, more anterior translation with flexion. And five, fewer capsular attachments to the meniscus periphery. The correct answer to this question is two, less anterior translation with extension and less posterior movement with flexion. So the menisci of the knee are able to distribute loads and subsequently reduce the stresses on the tibia. They are a key element of cartilage protection and prevention of osteoarthritis. Kinematic analysis of both menisci demonstrates anterior movement with extension and posterior movement with flexion. The lateral meniscus has more mobility than the medial meniscus because of less soft tissue attachments. Bilski Alstro et al. found that AP knee translation caused the lateral meniscus to displace on average 0.6 millimeters, while the medial meniscus displaced 0.43 millimeters. That's all for this review about the meniscus. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.